welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. I'm privileged to talk about why doesn't the world work, but, but our approach today is going to be a little bit different. Because um, I want you to, I want to, I, I, had, I had a lot of really great thoughts I wanted to share with you, but uh, then I, I, I kind of happened upon this video this week from this guy named Sam Burns, and it's a little TEDx talk that he did, and I want, I want him to talk first, and then, and then we'll, we'll just jump into to some stuff about the Bible. So we have a video for you, and let's check out the screens. Due to copyrights, we won't be able to play the story on our podcast, but feel free to look up My Philosophy for a Happy Life by Sam Burns on YouTube. Sam actually passed away a month after he recorded this video. And uh, if only we could be as mature as 17-year-old Sam Burns. Um, I have this, so we're talking today, they, they kind of, move my screen over, let me move it. Uh, why doesn't the world work? Just give me a few minutes of your attention and then, and then we'll be done today. And I want to like reverse Sam's talk. So I want to go three, two, one. So the, so the first thing is we don't focus on the future. That's why the world doesn't work, right? Like we think about right now way more than we think about the future. Um, in life, uh, um, we have to come to this place as pe- like so many of us that are watching this or in this room, you're a Christian already. Like you already believe in God, you follow Jesus. And so what comes along with that is this understanding of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We can always focus on the future because the future is always going to be good when we know that about God. Like you might not know that, you might not realize that, you might not understand that, but don't worry about uh, right. Don't worry about how it feels right now. Think about what God's plan is for the future. And you, you and I might not know God's plan, but what if you thought decades instead of years? What if you thought hundreds of years instead of just this year? If we, if we, if we focus on that, then we won't find ourselves so, so unhappy in the, in the present, in the present moment that we're in. The second thing is we're not around the right people. This is why the world doesn't work. First, the, the, or really it's the three, two, one. So three, two, we're not, around, we're not around the right people. You know what we say here is when you get with the right people at the right place, at the right time, the right things happen. The, um, the Harvard study for adult development is one of the longest studies ever done on human life. So they started in 1938 with 268 Harvard sophomores. And it's still, this study is still going today with over 1,300 of these men's children as well as, as well as other families around Boston. Overwhelmingly, if you look into this study, uh, this study provides evidence that's the, that the greatest predictor of a good life is the quality of our relationships. The key to mental, physical, and emotional health is relationships. Now that makes sense, right, from a philosophical, practical understanding. But let me let, ask yourself this question. How much time do I spend investing in good relationships? The truth is this week you spent way more time at work than you did with your friends. You spent way more time concerned with how much money you probably make than you did worrying about the quality of the friendships around you. I would say most of us, even though we know this to be true, that the greatest predictor of us having a good life, of the world working for us, 
is having good relationships, it is one of the things we give the least thought to in our life. Most of the people that we go, go through life with, we're not intentional about being around them. We just happen to be around them. In life, through research or anecdotally, we see that the best thing in our life is our relationships. So I want to encourage you, like this is what the church is about, by the way. The church is not about who the preacher is that day. The church is not about having good worship, although all that's a part of it. All that's a big part of it. We get together and we worship God and we do all this stuff that we're doing together. But the most important thing about the church, the reason, and like you're, if you ever hear me talk, you're going to hear me, hear me share this because the church is not a place. The church is people. When Jesus talked about starting the church in, in the gospels, he used a word that just means gathering of people. So you might be here in this room or you might be watching online and you might feel like you're a part of this church in terms of watching and participating in a service. But are you part of this church as it relates to relationships? If you like what's happening on the platform, you'll really love the people here. If you don't like what's happening on the platform, then what you can do is find a place that you can fit. Because the great thing is there's all kinds of unique expressions of what it means to be the church all over the world. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, one time I asked my dad, I was like having a, like, if you, uh, if you ever hear me talk, you're gonna hear me talk about how hard it is for me to exist in Christian culture. Like how, how difficult, you know, it is. And I'm not going to get into it, but one time I was having a conversation with my dad just about how I was, I, was, um, I was in school and they had chapel at my school. I went, to, I went to a Christian college and the chapel was like all the people at this school are pretty much 21 and younger, okay? The chapel was like chapel for 85-year-olds, right? It was like the most boring, awful thing. I hated it. Right. So I I called my dad one time. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I can't go to this. Like, I love God and stuff, but these people are wearing me out. And we were and we were required like we were required to go to chapel at my school. They took attendance, the whole deal. Hey, I still have nightmares, by the way, about going back to college. Like some people go, some people go, man, like I loved my I love my days at school. I promise you my worst nightmares like I had a nightmare the other night. My nightmare was I woke up, I was leaving my family, and I was going back to college. That's how much I enjoyed school. So anyway, so, so I, called, I called Pastor Keith, and I said, like, what is the deal, man? These people are so irrelevant. And he said, he said okay. He goes, imagine that uh, we're going to go get ice cream together. I go, okay. He goes, like, you like, you like strawberry, and I like vanilla, Right? I guess, sir, he goes, what if every flavor in the ice cream shop was like just vanilla, though? This is, what, this is what the church could look like. Everything's the exact same all the time, everywhere. But what we do have is there's all kinds of different flavors out there. So don't get mad and judgmental. If something's not your flavor, just find your flavor. That's what you need to do. Um, so that was like probably 15 years ago that we had that conversation. So he helped me not be so critical and negative and cynical about things I don't like. If we don't like stuff, if something's not our flavor, we can go find our flavor, but just make sure you find your flavor. Like with people, in relationships, in a church, all of that, we're supposed to have, have a right flavor and be around the right people because when you get in the right place, say it with me, when you get in the, with the, at the, the right things happen. This is what it's all about. We have to have people around us that are hopeful. Like if you're surrounded with people like me who are cynical and negative, just help them. Uh, but don't make those your only friends. 
Like I was talking to a friend of mine this week who's, who's, on, our, who's on our team here. And, uh, and uh, we were talking about some things that we're working on, like they're creatively. And, um, and I always come from a cynical bent. And this guy's like a super positive dude. And, and so he was like, yeah, we could, we could do that, but let's do it like in a more positive way. I was like, man, I need you in my life, you know, cause I'll like say the most cynical stuff. He's like, yeah, that makes sense what you're saying, but that also, uh, is, is kind of hurtful. And let's maybe, <laughs> let's maybe say that in a way where people can like, like you at the end of that conversation. I was like, man, you are a great friend to me. So the people in your life who are cynical, maybe you're a cynical person, Surround yourself with people that just love everybody and they're just gonna high five everybody and they love the party. Like that number four thing, I'm not even talking about it today because I, I will miss every party. <laughs> one, time, one time someone asked me, or I, 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 I was talking to someone about how I, I, got, I had been invited to this like a birthday party or something and um, how, I, how I really didn't wanna go and I was just gonna show up late and whatever. And they said, well, you know, you know, if you don't go, like they just won't invite you anymore and that'll be sad. I said, no, that's what I want. I don't want to be invited because if I'm not invited, then I'm not obligated. Um, I need people who are going to make me show up to stuff though because without them, I would be just this highly dysfunctional cave dweller of a person. And um, so you, need, you and I need to have friends in our life who are the opposite of us who help us be better. Like I have, uh, like I love uh uh, my, my friend Garrett, I love his wife, Lindsay, uh, in a platonic way. <laughs> because her, her, like, if you've ever done Strengths Finders, um, my last one is one that's called Woo. Her top one is Woo. Like, everything's a party, right? I love being around her because she makes me happy and makes me feel like everything's a party. If you ask me to design something fun, it won't be fun. There'll be a lot of information. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a deep conversation, probably. Um, we'll go home a little bit more tired than we were than when we showed up. People that are strong woo people are people that like, they just make everything fun and you just love being around whatever it is that they do. And so we need people that are gonna help us be a better us so that the right things can happen in our life. Uh, last thing, we let what we can't do get in the way of what we can do. This is why the world doesn't work. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Proverbs says a person without self-control is like a city with its walls broken down. Proverbs says again, it's better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. You know what, um, you know what we do in life? We do this. You don't have to fix the problem when you can just fix the blame. So we go through life and we have controllables, we have uncontrollables. We all have stuff that we can't control in life. And here's what we do. We, we even ask this question. So this, this question in and of itself, why doesn't the world work, is a trick question because we shouldn't even ask that question. To ask that question is to focus on the things in life that we can't control. You and I have no control over the world. God's got a lot of control over the world. Well, we can't really, I don't know if you've ever tried this, we can't really tell God what to do. Like, hey, God, this is really what I need out of this situation. What we can do is focus on what we can do. So we think about, here's all the things I can't do. Here's all the things I'm not in control of. The Bible, the Bible tells us, God has not given us a spirit of fear, first of all, nothing to be afraid of. 
If you walk with God, if you feel like you're in relationship with God, if you're following Jesus, God has not given you more fear than you already have. All of us have to navigate fear and anxiety and being human, but it's not about being timid and fearful and anxious about life. It's about understanding that God has given me the ability to control myself in any given situation. My focus should not be on, uh, and I know we asked the question, it's not like someone came and said, hey, why doesn't the world work? But my focus should not be on them out there. My focus should be on the, on the me in here. The world doesn't work because we don't work. We're not, you're not like separate from the rest of the world. Like, you know, this world that we're living in, we all have created that. Like we might not like it and we might not want to admit that to ourselves, but the world that we live in is a result of our thinking, our attitudes, and our actions. And uh, so there was a... There was, a, there was a guy, there was a man one time, my dad grew up telling this story and I love telling this story. There was a man that, uh, who had a son that he loved very much. So he was always busy, he was always working, but he would do his best to always make time for his son, no matter how busy he was. So one night, uh, the dad's working in his home office, he's just grinding away, and his son came in to play with him. And uh, he, he, he really needed to finish his project that he was working on, but he also wanted to make time for his son. So he looked around his office, he found a magazine, and uh, in the magazine was this really big picture of the world, this really big picture of the globe. The father, he, he, he ripped the page out of the magazine, and he ripped it into pieces, and uh, he called his son over to him, and he said, hey, we're going to play. I need you to give me some time to work. We're going to play, but first, I want you to take this picture of the world, and I want you to, to put it back together. And so he figured, man, this is going to be a good, I don't even know if he's going to do it. Right, this can be a good couple hours of work. The, the son ran out, of, ran out of his office and uh, the guy figured he had a few hours of work, a few hours to get work done. 30 minutes later, his son comes back in his office and says, okay, I'm done, can we play now? He said, oh, you're gonna have to show me this. Like, you're gonna have to show me the fact that this is done. Right, like not anyone can just come put magazine pieces of paper back together. Um, uh, so, so he walks, he walks into the kitchen where his son was and sure enough, there was a picture of the world and it was all put together and every piece was in its place. And the dad says, that's incredible. How did you do that? It's unbelievable. It blew my mind. The son said, oh, it was really easy. On the back of the page was a picture of a man. When I put the, when I put the man together, the whole world fell into place. So, so in life, here's, here's what, here's what we love to do. Um, we love to focus on all the things we can't control because I don't have to fix the problem if I can just fix the blame. You know why I am the way I am? Because of that person. You know why the world is? Because of that person over there. Well, I, well, guess what? As long as I'm pointing the finger at like all that out there, I'm not, I'm not working on one thing about myself. I'm just thinking about how my situation would improve if this person over here did this. But I can't control them. I can't even control what they do, do towards me. What I can control is my response to that. It's like you look at this kid, and that's more is caught than taught. I'm not up here to just teach you something. I hope you catch this today. Because you look at Sam Burns. He did not control his battle with progeria, right? But he's this, here's a kid at 17 years old saying, I've decided in my life, I'm not going to let what I can't do get in the way of what I can do. We look at life, and, and this, is, this is the hardest the hardest thing for me in the world that we live in today that I don't want to raise my kids in is people love to be victims right now. 
they are looking they are looking to be victimized in some way doesn't matter what side of the equation you're on i'm victimized by that i'm victimized by that that hurts me i'm like people talk about outrage culture as if it's one person's problem it's all of our problem because we look at we look around looking for people to blame for our situation um, all we can control is what we can control. That's all, that's all we can do. So let's not be people that, that put ourselves in a position where we get outside of our realm of control. You know what God's going to worry about? God's going to worry about the world. you got to put the man together. Second Timothy, what has God given you? He's given you power and love and self-discipline. That means at any moment of our life, we have the power to control how we think, our attitude, and what we decide to do. The world doesn't work as long as we get focused on everything except that. When we know that, then we understand in a situation, in any present situation, the power that we have. Hey, um, can you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I'm pretty much done. Um, The most important thing today, like I said, this is a little bit different flow, uh, even for me, because it's just about, it's about catching this. We look at the world and we think about all these things outside of us, right, that are not working, that haven't worked, all the ways that people have mistreated us maybe in life, all the opportunities that we didn't get and don't have. You know what God's given us? He's given us the ability to decide what we do next. And um, in life, look at that picture of that sun. We're trying to, so many of us, like you look at politicians, you look at uh, social justice campaigns, you look at all these different things, they're trying to fix the world. The, the track we should be on, the battle that we should be fighting is let's fix ourselves. If I fix myself, my world gets, gets fixed. If my world gets fixed, the world gets fixed. Be, let's be great husbands, let's be great wives be great sons. Let's be great daughters. Let's raise great families. Let's teach, let's teach people through our own life what a great life looks like. You might, you might be in a place right now in your life where you just go, man, like, you know, I don't even know where to get started with that. And that on some level today resonates with you. You want to, you want to be connected with God in some way. You know, you know, the first step you got to take is you got to want to get to know God. Like you gotta wanna get to know this God that's not, that doesn't wanna give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. What we have to do is we have to, he's, he, the Bible says he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And what I wanna invite you into is just, just what it means to, to do that. This is why, again, this is why the church exists to help us with this. But you might be sitting here, you might be sitting in this room, you might be watching online, you might feel like, man, I'm just, I'm far from God right now in my life. I'm at, the, I'm at this place, I just, have no, I don't feel like I have relationship with him. God's not, God's not far from you, but he's waiting on you. He's knocking at the door of your heart. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're at home or in this room, I want to invite you into something. And that's just knowing and understanding maybe for the first time in your life that God has a great plan and choosing to participate in that plan. Um, it's a journey, but the start is right here. You might've felt like God was pulling at your heart this whole service you don't really know what that even means. Um, but you know that you know that right now is maybe a moment for you and God to have a really great conversation together. I want everyone that can hear my voice to just pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I choose to follow you.
your name I pray. Amen. It's that easy to start. Now, you and Jesus, you know, should and can have a lot of conversations from here on out. And that's why the church exists, because we got to get around the right people at the right place in the right time so that the right things can happen in our life. You can text Jesus to our number, 972-945-9772. There's actually a person there who's going to text you. This is not an automated line. It's not some service. We're not trying to sell you anything. We want to connect with you because what you need to do next Step one is, man, understand God's got a great plan for your life and choose to participate in that plan. Step two, man, get with the right people so that you can focus on what you can control. So you can text Jesus to that number and we're here to help you as a church. We're here to serve you. If there's anything that we can pray with you about, just let us know. We're so glad that you've, that you've joined us today. And I hope moving forward from today that we focus on Uh, why we don't work, (laughs) not why the world doesn't work, that we become these people that we know God has given us the power to control ourselves. And let's never let what we can't do get in the way of what we can do. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.